I need to conceal it. I know, right? <laughs> All right. My name's Chris, and I'm excited that you're here to listen to what I think is really exciting and a really important topic um, as we discuss not only faith and being hurt by church and religion, but also healing and finding hope for the future. Yeah, and uh, my name is Andrew, and um, you know, Chris and I, we met uh, recently, and you know, we realized that we had, we shared the same heart for a very specific part of um, deconstruction or our faith journey um, more specifically. So as Chris mentioned, you know, we've been consuming a lot of, uh, you know, content on the web, which has been really, really helpful, you know, in our spiritual lives. But something that we wanted to, you know, uncover and dig into is um, what's next, right? And what are some uh, ways that we could step out in our faith, um, maybe outside of what people are typically used to? Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the biggest words that we discussed was the word deconstruction. And I think there's like, an even better word, which is reconstruction, because I think people can deconstruct too far. And a lot of people I know are people that we see deconstruct to the point where there's like no hope, there's no faith. I feel like it's a healthy exercise to break down traditions and, you know, how we process and, you know, project uh, our understanding of God, but we can't, you know, deconstruct you know, our foundations, or otherwise we have nothing. So I think that, you know, something that I'm really interested in exploring with you and with, you know, everybody is how to, how to do that. My name's Chris. I, um, my religious trauma journey started out very young. I didn't realize it started out so young. Um, I found myself attracted to guys. Um, probably when I was like four or five, I would say, and didn't know what to do with it. I was in a church environment and youth groups where homosexuality was um, perverted, it was sinful. Um, so I went out to my youth leader and said, I am attracted to other guys. So she was like, I have a great idea. And I was like, okay, you know, anything that can help. And she introduced me to a um, homosexuals anonymous group um, which I don't know if they still exist um, but it was essentially like a 12-step program but it was um, designed around being um, cured of homosexuality mm -hmm. and then from there I started going to groups that were um, Exodus International affiliated and for those people who don't know what Exodus International is it was an organization it was a nonprofit Christian organization um, where you went through conversion therapy to not be gay anymore. And some of the stuff that was said was things like when you have sex with your wife, have sex with your eyes open so you can like be turned on by her. Um, there was this whole idea that your parents, you know, you had an emotionally absent father and an overbearing mother. And so I one, yeah. grew to like hate my parents because mm -hmm. I was like, my dad's not available, but he really was. Like looking back, my dad was very available, huh. would constantly drive me everywhere, was involved in my academia, was super available. And so there was like a lot of cognitive dissonance that I just didn't understand at that point. So I ended up um, going to youth groups and then getting involved in church, um, ended up going to a Christian university and that's where I came out as gay which was bold. a great time, <laughs> as you could imagine. 
but I didn't know what to do with that. Like, sure. so I handled it completely wrong. I made like a Facebook video. This is when Facebook like first came out and like you had like the little pins you could put on your page yeah. and, and like you could customize your Facebook. I remember too. this. Yeah, yeah. For a little while. You know what? They keep changing stuff. Uh, <laughs> it was so good for those of us who remember that. So I went through reorientation therapy, obviously did not work, came out as gay and then started down this path. And I accepted Christ um, in sixth grade. Okay. Also, um, oh, that's that's after you sort of understood your well, started understanding your sexual identity. Yeah, it kind of all happened at once, mm-hmm. and I was obsessed with Revelation and end times, oh, sure. and so that obviously did not help the homosexuality piece of me. So, um, you know, came out. I decided not to be involved in church for a while, and then I found out that I was actually struggling with an addiction. Mm -hmm. And so I started going to 12-step programs and they were like, you have to have a higher power. And I was like, well, I'm not talking to mine right now. Um, And so my friend ended up uh, introducing me to a 12-step recovery program that was Christ-centered. And I went, saw great recovery there, Um, but there was just one little problem. And the problem was a a lack of communication between the pastors. Mm. So essentially what was happening was one pastor would say, you know, you're not born gay. One would say you are born gay. One would say civil unions are okay. One would say, you know, civil unions are not okay at all. One would say, you know, if you're gay, as long as you believe in Christ, then you're gonna go to heaven. The other one would say, well, there's no evidence that you believe in Christ, you know, so the communication was definitely lacking. And I started um, making great friends there. Mm -hmm. And one of those friends I started to have feelings for, and he started to have feelings for me, but he wasn't out. And so he was, um, he, started sharing that he and I were dating, but to a short number of people. I started getting random phone calls. Like, Chris, I heard that uh, you and this guy kissed. I heard that. And I was like, how do people know this? So obviously the drama is going around. And then I find out from the person I'm dating that um, they're going to publicly out him at a membership meeting, which is a lot of people. And so I didn't want that to happen obviously because he was already suicidal based on how certain people were reacting to this sure so i reached out to sally gary in texas who runs this nonprofit centerpiece um she said include me in an email and i can help mediate this i said great the problem was and looking at hindsight i can understand a lot of this like now that's been a couple years sally gary's a lawyer Mm -hmm. but she's not practicing so i think Mm -hmm. the church obviously panicked. I had no intention of suing them. This was like, I wanted a conversation. Either way, whatever happened worked because they said in light of the circumstances, they weren't going to publicly remove his well, membership. They could all, otherwise, you know. But in response, their email to me was our legal team or counsel or whatever has told us to cut ties with you and you are not allowed to attend our church you're not allowed to talk to our leaders and you're not allowed to attend our recovery program and so um that was very hard for me obviously went through this huge huge um deconstruction phase relapsed really hard became suicidal found myself in a building in new york city um, in a hotel one night wanting to kill myself getting ready to kill myself And um, thank God that there are people I had on speed dial and people who knew what was going on to get me out of this thought process. 
Um, so I'm very grateful for that. And then I started going to religious trauma therapy and still couldn't understand why I was so angry. I was saying, you know, I was yelling at people, telling them they're in a cult. I was telling people that um, they're not real Christians. I was ripping people apart because I didn't know what to do with this anger and frustration. But the biggest thing for me was that I found that people were remaining silent. There were only like three or four people that actually said something. And I'm friends with those people who spoke up. Um, but everyone else like said nothing. Um, and I think that hurt more was the silence. Of course. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to like healing and processing. I met you. (laughs) And, uh, just meet me. Yeah. Everything's going to be perfect. I was, I felt so good. And, um, you know, I got to meet some great people who also were going through this recovery process from religious trauma and not, you know, it wasn't just, you know, reorientation therapy or like being kicked out of a church. There was like some people who struggled with like financial abuse and um, like issues with how they were told to act in a marriage. So like, it, it was really cool to see that religious trauma is not just, like I honestly thought it was like reorientation therapy is traumatic, that's it. But there's so many people who've gone through so many different things that have led to trauma and What's been really cool is that all the people we know haven't lost their faith. Yeah. Which has been like a huge blessing because I find that, and as we talk about, people deconstruct too far. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do believe Jesus put these people in my life. And just for the past like two years, it's been, Chris, you're going to focus on me because there's no one else right now. And it was such a blessing because I had to know, learn who God was on God's terms, not on the church's terms, not on the group's terms, not on the culture's terms. On um, It was just, all right, who is God? Who is God based on who God says he is and not what the church says? And so that's been kind of a, a cool journey. It's been hard, not easy, but it's been a, a good journey to have. So, hey everyone, uh, my name is Andrew Rue, and um, I and I grew up, um, you know, going to Sunday school, all that stuff. Um, and then I think my faith walk really, really, um, you know, kicked it into high gear when I when I went off to college. So I tried really hard um, to be a rebellious, you know, pastor's kid. You know, my parents were both pastors. Tried my best to really, you know, step out. But um, I was, in fact, pulled in by my third year into maybe the some of the most conservative expressions of Christianity ever. You know, uh, I was part of a, a very, very um, conservative sect of um, parachurches. So you know, I was part of a campus ministry um, that was uh, interesting, and I was really, really steeped into a. Uh, in an evangelical church um, that had really uh, a loud voice in the community as well. So, you know, I stepped into that scene and, uh, you know, that's where I really found, I felt like I found like a really firm foundation in, uh, for my faith because it was so rigid, you know, and it helped me step out from some things that I considered addictions in my life. As many do, I had a big crisis of faith, you know, um, I saw my ministry and my church, you know, excluding my friends and my family. Um, one of the big things was that this church didn't feel like women should preach and my mom was a pastor. So there was one instance where uh, I came back home from college and I looked my mom square in the eye and I told her that she was a sinner. 
for being a pastor. So it really cut deep, you know, and um, you know, coming out of college, I, I decided to enter ministry. And, um, you know, I went to seminary for a couple of years, dropped out. Um, and during that time, I served a couple of, you know, local parishes through a mainline denomination, a pretty big one in the United States. Um, and, you know, I got to learn a lot of things about the church, some good, a lot bad. Uh, but, you know, really what I learned was that, um, that, you know, we, 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 we lift church and ministry, like, in the Church of Jesus, like, so high, you know, like, it's so elevated, but um, when you're part of the machine, when you're part of, when it's your vocation, um, it gets really tricky, right? Um, it, it's, in an institution that is predicated on grace and love, there's not a lot to be found sometimes when you, when it gets down to the brass tacks. So I feel like that really scarred me in, in, a, in a special way where, you know, I got to see people um, really operate in ways that maybe weren't as ethical or um, as righteous as they would like to think or that they would communicate to their church members or even to their colleagues. Um, so, you know, coming out of that, I feel like the only avenue left for me was to just tear everything apart, you know? And one of the things that really spurred it on was I was part of a church planting ministry where, you know, I was kind of financially messed around with and was left um, really holding the bag, you know, um, deeply in debt. Uh, you know, I really thought that my vocation was my calling. So this tremendous hopelessness where I felt like, you know, God took away my calling. You know, he, he called me and then he said, you know what, it's not for you. So I'm gonna leave you with nothing, you know, like, and it was that kind of message. And so then I just pulled everything apart, you know, for the for six years, I shredded everything apart. And then I think I just came to the point where I just felt so empty and so angry. I was tired of feeling angry all the time, all the time, so angry. And, you know, we talk, we're gonna talk about it a little bit more, but a lot of that has to do with the resources that were available at the time to me, you know, and I'm not saying that these resources that are bad or anything like these deconstruction networks might have actually saved me in a lot of ways but you know reading being in that place for so long and that place of negativity was so hard for me so I sought help and I sought therapy went to bounce around a couple of places and it was fine but I really lucked out in finding a licensed um, you know a therapist who also happened to have a background as an ordained clergy and I understand that not a lot of people have that opportunity, but I really lucked out and, you know, it was really the right trajectory for me. And I started rebuilding and, you know, relaying the foundation of my faith and really rediscovering my relationship with Jesus, you know, plainly and simply out of the system, out of what people are whispering to me about what Jesus and God's intent is to my life. All that noise is blown up and just starkly just God and me. and. It scares the shit out of me. It's so scary. It's so scary, but um, I've never felt more honest in my expression of faith, you know? And I think that it's a journey. It's never, not all of it is pretty like this. Like I'm really like making it flowery. It's actually a really disgusting and horrible journey, but it feels honest. different flavors and ways that we could understand and consume and express Jesus, why don't we take 
the best, you know, things from, or the things that really speak to us from different traditions, instead 100%. of turning back and saying, that's heresy, this is heresy, without really thinking about anything else about it besides that it's not comfortable for us, right. you know? So, I don't know, I think that, you know, like exploring a really diverse uh, subset of voices and people is going to be a really exciting part of the journey. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things was like um, through this process of hearing people from like a Wesleyan tradition or a Calvinist tradition, all these people have different views of scripture, um, even though like they're pretty like kind of more on the conservative end, like mm -hmm. some of the people I've mentioned, but they still have different views of scripture. And then um, just having like hearing different people's experiences and understanding that, you know, Jesus, the woman at the well was of a completely different culture than Jesus. And she ended up being like one of his greatest advocates based on how excited she was to go to the village and tell everyone about him. They saw them as not only other, but less, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I think that maybe even starting there, right? Like if we were to approach our brothers or sisters or people of different expressions and not think of them as less, just to begin with. I feel like that's such a different place to start a conversation. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Padre Gotuma, who's like one of my favorite Irish theologians, talks about the Good Samaritan, but he reverses it. And he says, you know, we're so used to asking who would we help that is not of our same background, our same culture. Let's flip it and say, who would you accept help from? So the religious trauma therapist I was seeing was of a different denomination than me and, you know, believed in Christ, but was in a very different um, theological background than me. So, but I needed her help. And so the Good Samaritan is like a really cool story to like, be like, who am I willing to accept help from? Am I willing to, like, and me today, am I willing to accept help from an evangelical conservative Christian? Yeah. That's like a really good question um, that I need to ask myself. Um, I like to say yes, but I don't know how true that is. Like, I, I think there is like, um, I still have friends who are conservative evangelical. Um, but I think about, and I love them and care about them, mm -hmm. but I'm thinking about like a, a conservative evangelical I don't know, mm -hmm. who doesn't know me. Am I willing to accept help from them? In order to be a responsible and truly, you know, live a Christian life, you need to think. Mm -hmm. And you need to think and, you know, not only about like, not, it's a very broad way, but you need to be self-reflective and you need to think your way through things. Like, how am I expressing this faith in my community? You know, like, what are the lines that I'm drawing up? Who is Jesus? You know, what would he do? Like, to think about these things critically, and I feel like not enough people really do that today, which makes people sort of, you know, wrap their context and their community around them like a warm blanket that they're never gonna get out of. Mm -hmm. And they get angry when someone asks them to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think about when, um, just when I was challenged with a conservative thought process and I was challenged to think outside of the box, it was really hard for me to do. Um, and I wouldn't say like I'm a liberal Christian. Um, I think the more I am learning who Jesus is and how he acted in scripture, how he would act in modern circumstances based on scripture, I, the less I know. <laughs> I feel like I'm not as certain as I used to be. Um, I'm not as black and white as I used to be. I think there's a lot to learn and I think we're not gonna know much of anything until we can actually see Jesus face to face. Oh, totally. So, well, one of our pastor friends recently said, said to us, uh, you know, picking out your theology is like picking out your favorite heresy. 
Yeah. You know, like, uh, <laughs> that's oh, a really good quote. Yeah, but I think it was Pastor Mark. Oh, nice. He'll, he'll awesome. appreciate the shout out. He will. Yeah. Yeah, he will. <laughs> Pastor Mark. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, as, as we said, we have some really exciting people. We have some professors from different seminaries. Um, we have some psychologists that are going to be joining us on these conversations. So that's coming and we're really excited about it. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, we're, we're really looking forward to you um, also listening, you know, hearing from you. So, uh, you know, we're going to have uh, uh, some kind of uh, communication portals up soon. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, email, carrier pigeon, all, all the things, all the things. And they're going to be right... Here. And Chewy can deliver mail too. Chewy can deliver mail upon a special request, but uh, yeah, you know, like we would love to hear from you, right? Um, I think, as Chris said, we we're so excited to do this in community, and we're still looking for our communities. And it's digital, a little bit personal, but we'd love for you to join ours. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Till next time. Till next time. <laughs>